Pink piranhas, penguins in pajamas. Pink piranhas, penguins in pajamas. You know, when they told us that they were going to do a Glee episode themed around movie music, the first movie that I ever thought of was The Lion King. Because how could you not? How could you not? It has some of the most epic music, one of the best scores in film history, let alone animated film history. And so I just thought that it was a shoe-in for this episode. But then I remember that Glee is licensed by Fox, and Fox was not yet acquired by Disney at the time. So it was a long shot. But we did get Bella Note in season three, so I thought, or season two, so I thought maybe, maybe, just maybe, but no. Welcome back to the choir room, guys. We are here to talk about episode 15, season four of Glee, girls and boys on film. Of course, I am not alone. I am with my co-host, Matt. How are you today? What's your favorite movie song? You were unprepared for that question, and I love putting you on the spot. Um, so would you imagine Becky Jackson, like, holding up Sue's baby in that Lion King version of Glee? <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought about it, but I can't see it any other way now. Yeah, um, that'd be fun. And, uh, I, I'm such a big Lion King guy. I mean, Lion King is the year that we were both born. Lion King has always stuck with me for that reason. I know. And, uh, I am literally standing right next to a Lion King poster that I have with like a bunch of different pictures all together on it. Um, I don't know what you asked. Yes, I do. You asked my favorite song from a movie. Um, I mean, it's obviously going to be something high school musical related or camp rock because those are my ride or dies till the end. So, uh, one of those in there and, uh, they did never, they really just did not do enough Disney on Glee. And I guess it makes sense because it's, you know, a Fox show, not an ABC show, but they really could have done a lot more. And I'm sad about that. But, you know, maybe the revival will uh, we'll have some more of that. Yeah, we got only two songs throughout the entire series, one in season two, one in season six. And they were both pretty good numbers, especially the season six one. So, you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers. And, I mean, High School Musical, the musical, the series, is an entire glee in itself of uh, of some of some good music in there. So if anyone hasn't is watched that, that any good? I still haven't watched it. Was it was good. It was adorable. Okay. I feel like I have to rewatch High School Musical to really fully appreciate it because I haven't seen High School Musical in so long. So Honestly, long. you don't. I feel like you, you would be fine just jumping into it. You know what the idea of High School Musical is. They're really only talking about the first movie in the series. Uh, I mean, like in the High School Musical, the musical, the series, they only really reference the first movie. So I feel like you'd be fine. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, yeah, we're talking about movies today. Uh, those are the movies I want to talk about. Not all the ones that are in here that, of course, I haven't seen any of them. But, um, you know, whatever. Uh, I was here to say, we, we've had a conversation about movies already. <laughs> Have you seen any of the movies that are referenced in this? I don't think so. I was looking up and down trying to hope that I could attach myself to one of them. No. I mean, I know a lot about Footloose, 
by being a theater kid in high school, but like didn't watch it. Didn't watch a single thing here. Oh uh, yeah, I I did Footloose in high school. I was thinking about posting a little clip of myself doing it on the choir room Twitter page. I lived for that number, but yeah, I've only I think I've only seen two. I've seen Footloose, of course. I've never seen Moulin Rouge, which is surprising as a musical theater fan. I saw Risky Business a long time ago, like when I was a kid, and I literally don't remember anything other than Tom Cruise's thighs in <laughs> that uh in that scene. But all the other ones, nah, haven't seen them. So, hmm. but I'm aware of them. I'm like aware of them as like classic cinema. That's for yeah, sure. and just like just like with a lot of other references that I never understand from the show, uh, having the Glee version will be a big help one day when I sit down to watch these movies in that nursing home seat, and uh, I'll be like, oh yeah, they did this on Glee, and then it gives me a reason to care about what I'm watching in the movie. So it's perfect. Right, exactamundo. All right. Well, without further ado, let us uh, get our popcorn ready. Get your soda. Go to the bathroom one last time and then find the perfect seat because we are talking about movies. Movies, yeah. All right, so Will, you know, he likes old movies. So he actually falls asleep and he ends up dreaming uh, the song, You're All the World to Me. But he dreams it as a duet between himself and Emma um, as they're doing that classic scene from The Royal Wedding that Fred Astaire choreography uh, as they're climbing all over the the walls and the ceilings of the room, uh, dancing and twirling and being in love. And of course, it's all going to get come crashing down once he eventually wakes up and realizes that he's dreaming while he left the movie on because he likes to watch movies in bed when he's feeling down. And of course, he's feeling down now because Emma left him at the altar. So he decides later in Glee Club to set the lesson for this week as movies. And more specifically, songs from the movies because you know movies they help you understand yourself they help you through some really really trying times kitty suggests like oh like being left at the altar um it was like yes just like that um so he decides you know what you guys are going to perform uh songs from movies and you're also going to have to match them up and on top of that it's boys versus girls Artie is going to get in on the action here and say that he is looking to uh cast some roles in his film that he's working on and whoever whichever team wins he'll be casting that team within his film and of course that you know ups the ante for all of the glee kids who would die to be a part of Artie's handiwork because he's done such a good job of directing both west side story and now greece so it's on bitch competition's on Artie is definitely leading the way here as the one senior that is like full on knows what they're doing next. And, you know, in a glee club of uh, or at least a school of kids who generally don't have that kind of ambition. I mean, is Artie the most ambitious person here, like in the Rachel spot where Rachel knew what she wanted to do? Is Artie like that person here? Uh, I mean, I'm looking around at Tina. I'm looking around at Sam. Uh, Some of them probably have an idea, but I mean, Artie's leading the way here, I would say. So, yeah, he's got this uh, first movie that he's working on and everybody's so excited for him that he's doing another big project and I mean obviously there's some selfish reasons behind it because they're all going to want to be in it but yeah so that's fun Um, and that first number You're All the World to Me was cute between Will and Emma we don't get you know a whole lot of those anymore and obviously you know this was a dream but it was it was cute Um, you know with the black and white and you know the the whole thing going around the room on the walls and on the ceiling like that's the kind of thing that it's one uh, of my favorite effects ever in like it it is right it like it always it always lands it's just I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. It just always feels like it works. So uh, glad that they Have did it Have you ever here. been to one of those museums that has a room that's tilted on its axis? 
mm-hmm. where you'll walk across, but by the way, the, you know, because physics and science, which I can't really explain that well, you are able to stay upright even while you're slanted. It's so strange. It's like the yep. the weirdest thing ever. I love it. Ugh. Every science museum on earth, I think, has one of those. Mine didn't. We didn't have a sideways room like that at any oh, of the really? science museums. No, but there there is a there's a uh, a thing in Pittsburgh called the Mattress Museum, and it's sort of like a a museum that has like a bunch of eclectic things in there. So there is some science stuff in there, but it's more of like a variety museum. And they had a sideways room, and I was just enamored with it. I was like ten years old, and I just wanted to spend the entire time in that room. I loved it so much. Do you ever like go to the mattress museum and find the Glee Club jumping up and down on the mattresses and uh, singing Jump? Wow, you really reached for the stars for that reference, didn't you? You said the mattress museum. It's not a museum of mattresses, though. I mean, a mattress factory. It used to. Well, it's called the mattress factory because it used to be a mattress factory, but now it houses a museum full of eclectic type exhibits and stuff like that. All right. Well, my question still stands, (laughs) but I guess the answer is no. If you ever come to Pittsburgh, you should go. Okay. It's pretty interesting. I will, uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> All right. Well, now that the lesson has been set for the week, Finn is going to ask Will to uh, talk outside. He's going to ask him how the search for Emma is going. Ultimately, Will says, you know, I can't force anything. I've been trying to, you know, call her, but she's not answering me. And I don't really want, I don't really, you know, want to pressure her. Obviously, that's probably why she left in the first place. And Finn is like, you know what? No, fuck that. You have to, you have to, like make it known that you were looking for you have to really fight for this like you can't just give up just because she left you at the altar and will appreciates the concern but he decides like we just have to leave it alone for now if he really if she really loves me then she'll come back on her own and finn of course his guilty conscience won't allow him to not he his guilty conscience won't allow himself to uh give up on will so it's uh it's a really messy situation here obviously like if i were in the situation I don't know that I'd be pressing this hard. I feel like my guilt would allow me to sympathize with him, and that would be it. But I don't think by any means I would be trying to get them back together, or at least have an active role in that, when I had an active role in them getting like breaking up in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, the way that I would absolutely handle this is, you know, the second that it happened... I need to probably get that off my chest right away. This isn't the kind of thing where this is going to, you know, go under the rug forever. Obviously, this is going to come out. First of all, I mean, no person in their right mind would have done that in the first place. But if it happened, uh, you got to rip the Band-Aid off and just talk to them right away. Get them before, like, before you're even, like, 20 minutes away from what happened. Like, talk to them. Get them on the phone. Be like, I just made a huge mistake. I'm so sorry. I'm calling you right now to make sure that you know it just happened. Uh, but I, this is what happened, and I'm sorry. And, you know, go from there but the the further away you get from it like the whole wedding just you know that's that's why this is going to be such a problem by the end of this when will does find out because his wedding got ruined because you decided to wait till now to say anything so yeah this whole thing is just uh, you know uncomfortable to watch as you know you're you know how bad this is going to end up going for finn so he's trying you know trying to get them back together and you know seem like the good guy at the end of this or just to make himself feel less guilty but it's still kind of cringy as uh you know you're watching it all happen right Ugh. finn is going to enlist the help of Artie here why do i have Artie crosses his legs oh yeah i had this in all caps because i was like what the fuck he broke character Artie crosses his legs in this scene but then upon watching it again i realized that he actually picks up his leg and crosses it i don't know if you noticed that but i was like what the fuck like he's not supposed to be able to move his legs i was like freaking out i didn't catch that 
Um, well, before that scene, anyway, I skipped the scene. Finn is going to ask Sue about Emma's whereabouts. And Sue is like, I have no idea where she is. All I can tell you is that uh, after she left, she cashed in all of her vacation days. So she is in the winds, probably in some kind of like ginger asylum right now. And I would never want her to be to return to like a uh, fucking William Schuster's dollhouse of insanity. So she's probably better <laughs> off where she is. And even if I did have that information, I would never divulge it. I would never divulge it to a flop, sweat-smelling fake teens teaching, army deserting, high school lurking, sectionals losing, special needs, baby hating, and that's it. We're going to get the <laughs> next scene where <laughs> she, uh, well, Artie is, he's asking Artie for help this time, and Artie suggests, you know what, we just need to, like, call in the troops, call in the cavalry, and just do a statewide search. Finn is like, that's, that's just too much time. How about we just ask her parents? And so that's where we're at with uh, the new plan um, for searching for Emma. Right, so obviously Sue wasn't going to help, and she's, I love how offended she is. Like, I don't know why you would think that I would know, even though I was the one in the dress at the scene of the crime as she left. Um, Sue being Sue, and yeah, just some uh, insults to Finn. Uh, she doesn't know where, uh, you know, she doesn't know where she's, she she's is, but... Really killing bir- two birds with one stone here. Like, she got back at Will. Now she's getting back at, uh, at Finn. Can you imagine... This would have been so much more juicy if fucking that kiss happened and then the camera pans over to fucking Sue in the hallway and seeing oh, it. Wow. Oh, my oh, God. Like, this would have been oh. so much more juicier. Ugh, oh. I would have lived for that. Oh, the tension yeah. of that wedding scene would have been insane. Why didn't they do that? Ugh, I'm pissed. Now. Yeah. Because, yeah, if they did all of that, I mean, and then Sue's not going to say anything until either while they're at the altar, she's going to stand up and run up there or sometime later. Like we again, we we always talk about this, about how Sue is supposed to be a nice person deep down, but she does all these terrible things. But like there wouldn't be much explaining to do here. She's mad at Will for making Finn a teacher. She's mad at Finn for coming in and trying to pretend to be a teacher. So if Mm -hmm. she went up there and she had that picture, say there was like a projector behind them or something like that, and she just had the picture go up of the two of them kissing. Like, oh, man. Oh man. oh, man. That would have been so good. It would have been so deliciously uh, evil. What were they doing when they were writing all this? What were they just like, oh, yeah, let's just have a kiss, and then it'll be on Finn's conscious. Like, no, you have Sue. You Sue. Maybe maybe they felt like it was just too evil. Maybe they felt like it That's would be That's never stopped too... them before. I know, but, like, now I'm, like, starting to talk myself no. out of it now. They, 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 I mean, no, I kinda... they didn't think of it. We, we are better writers than they are. Let's just call they... it what it is. <laughs> I mean, I... But now that I'm thinking about it, I could kind of understand that because then you have to have Will being upset at, like, it's just sort of like, where did, like, how do you recover? You know what I mean? Because, like, she mm-hmm. knew about it and then she waited until the opportune moment at the wedding to do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Look, didn't happen. Let's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's lock it up in the writer's room with all the other great ideas that we have. Over in the hallway, Blaine and Brittany tell the rest of the Glee kids, you know what, it kind of sucks that the girls and guys have to compete against one another and we can't perform together. So we thought that we should do a warm-up number from um, uh, a song from a a movie. They're all going to start listing off songs that they should do, but Brittany and Blaine already had the idea of doing the classic Shout from Animal House. And this is Glee's 500th performance. Sure Ever. is. Yes. 
You know you make me wanna put my hands up and shout. Uh, this song is a lot of fun, despite the fact that it just happens out of nowhere. A lot of songs ugly happen out of nowhere. Let's be real. I know. But it's so yeah. funny to me how this one happens because Blaine and Brittany, yeah, they come up to them and they're like, so we were thinking that we should all do a song together. And, you know, they're not going to wait for Glee Club. They're not going to move over to the auditorium. They're like, oh, no, you guys no, I, we mean like now, like right here, right now. And they're all like spouting out different ideas. And Blaine's like, no. I have the idea. You know, this is like me when I'm asking a question I already know the answer to. Uh, Blaine is going to go right into this performance. And yeah, this one is so much fun. They're uh, running all around the school, picking up the rest of the Glee Club members that are not with them from a classroom and then into the library where they grab, you know, Sugar and Unique. And then they go into the cafeteria. And it's just so much fun choreography. And, you know, you know, they were having a great time. Uh, you know, the, the choreographers and everybody that put this one together. So this is a, this is a fun one after, you know, a somewhat of a downer of a start with the whole will thing jake does this i think triple pirouette at the end of the song and i was aroused (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you noticed that but uh the pirouette not my arousal but uh yeah it was crazy amazing i don't think i noticed it i kind of wish that it did sort of seem like inserted you know what i mean like i kind of wish that they had not hyped because they hyped up this episode they were like and this episode has the 500th performance on glee and i was like okay so what are they gonna do and i'm fine with shout being the number but it does seem really tacked on so i was like uh all right i was a little underwhelmed i mean i liked the number but i was a little underwhelmed and i kind of wish that it kind of included the whole cast you know what i mean i don't need them all to be at mckinley but i kind of wish that it was a bit more of an ensemble number because it really is just blaine and Brittany. that's it you know. It's a majority of them, but I mean, if you were going to ask me two people to take the lead of it, I would pick those two. I mean, Brittany, of course, with the dancing, and then uh, Blaine is the best option for the vocals on this, as ref- as seen in the song, where uh, he, he just, he, he kills it. Or uh, Unique. All the way down to, like, the last notes. Uh, unique, yeah, maybe, like, right a couple notes here and there. I don't know. I just, I really liked, uh, I really liked Blaine on this, but the whole thing was a lot of fun. Again, despite the fact that it was just, like... Okay, uh, this is happening now, but hey, it's movie week and they were all excited to uh, get right into things. Even though Artie is going to call them out at the end and be like, that was not even a mashup, so you misunderstood the assignment. (laughs) Over in New York, the NYC crew is snowed in in Brooklyn. Um, It's a massive blizzard or snowstorm or whatever the hell, and they've been uh, trying to pass the time by watching movies. Adam, I guess he's also been snowed in with them. Uh, Kurt and him are going back and forth, being a gaggle of gays, talking about musicals and stuff. And Santana is just over. She's like, I cannot believe that this is like my first time in New York and I'm snowed in with a bunch of gays and Rachel Berry and all these people. Like, this is just a mess. She's going to come up to Kurt and Adam and say, like, so what's the deal with you two? Are you guys dating? Because you definitely were getting it on with Blaine at the wedding, I mean, I totally heard you through the wall because I was fucking Quinn at the same time. So what's going on with you two? Um, Kurt obviously does not want Adam to know that. So she's like, can you please, can you please not? Um, <laughs> Santana asks where Rachel and Brody are, which is kind of peculiar. Like, well, shouldn't you know that Rachel's in the bathroom? But whatever, yeah. Adam tells her that Rachel's in the bathroom. Brody is out, probably snowed in somewhere else. <laughs> Santana's going to be kind of rude here and say, well, let's hope that she's embracing her inner bulimic because she's been looking quite pumpkin-like these days, and I'm not talking about the uh, the tan in a can. And Rachel over here, so she's like, you know what, that's it. 
quite frankly, Santana, you make me feel uncomfortable. You make Brody feel uncomfortable. You're going to have to move out. Like, we can't take this anymore. And Santana's like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm not trying to be mean here. I just think that your 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 friend Brody's just a bit of a weirdo, like a bit of a psychopath. Um, Kurt's like, you know what, guys? Let's just, let's just watch a movie. Let's just watch a movie. Santana is going to suggest a bunch of movies having to do with pregnancy and childbirth. Obviously, Rachel was turned completely off by that. She doesn't want to hear. She doesn't want to watch any of that shit. Um, not even the one where Elizabeth McGovern has the baby because she always cries when Elizabeth McGovern has the baby. And so, yeah, they're just um, trying to brave the elements and also brave each other's personalities at this point. Yeah, she's not in the mood. Rachel is very much not in the mood to watch any of these baby movies that Santana uh, went through. So, you know, first uh, indication here of Santana going through things as she went through their DVD collection when they weren't paying attention. Uh, So they were a little surprised about that. And yeah, uh, so they land on Moulin Rouge and Santana is just left with this look on her face like... There's no good option here. Like, uh, she realizes where she is. Like, she's with Kurt and Rachel in New York City. She's not going to be left with a single option of something that she wants to watch. So, uh, but that's what she signed up for by moving in with these two. But, yeah, she is uh, where we are returning to Santana Lopez here. And that's the most fun part about all of this. I mean, uh, when Santana started in the Glee Club, she was this, you know... Like, the only thing about her was that she made these funny, mean lines or comments to everybody, you know, without a second thought. And as time went on and her character got developed, you know, you cared about her a lot more, but she was still making those those comments. But here it's like, you know, we don't have a new plan for Santana. She's in New York City, but we don't know what she wants to do here. We don't know who she's, you know, trying to date, if she's trying to date. We don't know, uh, you know, we kind of left her and Britney behind. So we're back to like that initial Santana of just her sole purpose here at the moment is to uh, to just make these funny lines. So love that. Of course, towards the end of the episode, we're going to get more of um, maybe just like a way to connect Santana back to Rachel, at least uh, Rachel and Kurt by, you know, bringing her in and having her be like this, this third. Um, but for now, she's just uh, she's just being Santana. And, you know, there's nothing I love more. So time <laughs> to watch a movie. They're going to start watching Moulin Rouge, and similar to Will here, Kurt is going to enter a fantasy where he depicts himself and Blaine singing a duet of Come What May. He's going to start crying. Adam asks him if he's crying. Like, Kurt, are you? what's going on with you? Are you tearing up here? And she's like, oh, no, it's just my contacts. Which is like, I didn't know you wore contacts. She's like, I just, I just started wearing contacts because I have astigmatism. And uh, Santana, who can't take the fake, he's like, I would have thought that you were crying because you said that you've always wanted to sing this at your wedding with Blaine. And <laughs> Kurt's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You once told me that singing this song with someone was more intimate than having sex. <laughs> Kurt tries to change the subject and offer some popcorn. Uh, Santana's like, you know what? Actually, you know what? Kurt, sit down. I have something to tell all of you. Your friend Brody, he's a fucking psychopath. And they've heard this before. Rachel's already over it. Adam comes to Brody's defense saying, oh, he's a sweetheart. Santana is going to say, you know what? That's what I thought before I went through all of your things after I moved in. And guess what I found? This wad of cash, $1,200, and also a pager. Uh, both Rachel and Kurt are pissed that uh, that Santana has gone through their things. But Santana says it's a thing she does. So she, they're just going to have to get over it and accept it. Um, but she lets them know, like, look. The only person that carries this much cash on them and a pager at the same time is a drug dealer. And you see Rachel and Kurt, they kind of look at each other like, 
they they don't they don't disbelieve Santana. I mean, you're gonna have to trust Santana on things that are like real world. Uh, th- like this is just not something that the two of them would ever know about. They not signs that they would ever pick up on. So when it comes out of Santana's mouth, they uh, they have to think about it for a second. So they do. Um, but th- it's so funny. I mean, Santana of course recognizes that something is off with Brody from like the jump. Where she makes a comment about how he came up to her and he was saying that she's not a real New Yorker until she had her first makeover, and she was like, "What does that even mean? Like, who are oh, yeah. you?" <laughs> and uh, just ever from uh, ever since then, she's been like so onto him and just very like confused. Like he's you know she's making comments about how he's completely hairless and made out of plastic, and there are so many things about him that she just cannot process as to how this is a real human. Um, I mean, look, you're in New York. I get how this is a real human in New York. Uh, but point is, she's like you know he's too this and that. Like there's something going on here, and she finds out that there is. Except, I mean, is she right? Is she wrong? We don't have an answer on that just yet. But she's onto I something. Mean, who the fuck carries a pager in 2012? 2013 at this deal. point. It's the new year. Yeah, I I mean, obviously a valid point, which is why Kurt and Rachel are both like, damn, she's onto something. But yeah, um, also love just the way that she just casually, you know, goes through their stuff. Like, they're like, are yeah, you kidding me? You went I do. through... Yeah, it's just a thing I do. Like, you should know me by now. You should know that. She she did that with Marley back when she found all the uh, the laxatives in her bag at McKinley. So, I mean, again, you guys know this girl. You've been with her I for I could be totally wrong. Years. So if I am wrong, and I apologize. Um, but I, I feel like I've read somewhere that that's like a stereotypical thing that <laughs> Mexican mothers do is they just go through the, they just go through everybody's shit. They just make sure that everybody is like, like not trying to hide anything. I don't know if that's <laughs> true. I think it's it's probably a stereotype. Uh, but I, I think I've I've heard that somewhere. So they are trying to you know really uh, uh, be true to I guess Santana's roots. I guess. <laughs> It's all good stuff here as she is, uh, you know, just settling in and making herself comfortable with Kurt and Rachel, who are just becoming very uncomfortable with the fact that they had this beautiful little New York life and now they're being invaded by Santana. But you look, uh, you guys need her. She's going to hit you with some some harsh truths here and uh, maybe they'll be That's beneficial what I'm saying. to you like, sooner or later. Santana that tells you that she went through your shit is a far better Santana than Santana that doesn't tell you that she went through your shit. Okay, mm-hmm. like I would much rather want that Santana on my side than against me. <laughs> so and look, I'd be I'd be pissed too if somebody went through my stuff. But I'm not Rachel and I'm not Kurt. So uh, it's not I, like she uh, stole anything. She just said she went through yeah, everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love how that we are literally trying to rationalize the invasion of privacy. I can rationalize almost anything that Santana does. <laughs> All right. Well, Artie and Finn are going to fool Emma's parents into giving them their daughter's whereabouts. They uh, put on some wigs to convince them that they are uh, redheads, and they are saying that they need to find out where Emma is because the uh, Stop Bullying Gingers Club is losing money, and they really need their leader, their advisor, to come and return. They're skeptical because they're like, you guys don't smell like gingers. They're like, what the hell does ginger smell like? And Miss, Mr. Pillsbury is like, well, they we kind of have like a, a coppery, metally scent to us. Mrs. Pillsbury says, yeah, it's true. Like whenever he leaves town for a business trip, I'll like open up a jar of pennies just to just to sniff him. It makes him makes me feel like he's right next to me. Artie kind of doubles down here and he's like, look, like it's not just about the club. Like I'm trying to get into college and I really, really need her to read my college essay. She's been helping me so much and I just need her advice. Um, and Mr. Pillsbury, once again, rude about his daughter. I don't even know why you guys are taking advice from her. Like, she doesn't know anything about college. Like, you, you're you're far better off 
talking about the wheelchair thing than you are about being a redhead. But at the end of this conversation, they are going to decide, you know what, fine. And they write down the address on a piece of paper. I don't know why they just couldn't tell her. Yeah, are we getting a little too cute with the uh, fourth wall breaking here? <laughs> or, or just the self-referential thing is, is actually what's happening with the whole uh, these kids that don't graduate around the school. Like, no, I, I like those comments, but it feels like it's happening in, like, every episode now. Like, you guys all yeah, they, wait until... They definitely ramp that up towards the back half of this season. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's not the, you know, not the worst offense on the show or anything. But um, I'm also, like, confused because how the hell are Emma's parents looking at Finn, the best man at the wedding? Like, they were in the room. They saw Will. They saw Finn, the only two people that were up at the altar waiting for Emma. I don't think they were there. Where were they? I I think they didn't come to the wedding in protest because they didn't want it to happen. They they, They went ahead and paid for the reception, but they didn't come. That's all they did. They paid for the reception and weren't there. Mm-hmm. They didn't support well, that's weird. The, the marriage, but they didn't know, want but to be complete they stone cold it. bitches because they didn't because they're still her parents and they didn't want to be complete stone cold bitches. So they were just like, you know what? We'll pay for the fucking reception, but that's it. If you say so. I mean, obviously, I don't remember seeing them there. I just assumed that they were in one way or another. Especially when Santana's like, we talked to Emma's parents, and you know, they said to continue with the reception. So I figured that they were in the building, but I guess not. Um. So I guess, whatever, I guess that makes sense as to why they're not recognizing Finn and, you know, both of them in these uh, wigs. They're just, this is funny. Uh, (laughs) I don't don't know what else. Already Seymour Hoffman, baby. (laughs) Yeah. The guy, uh, the dad, he looked familiar. Um, No, I have no idea who this is. Don Most. (laughs) I was going to say, you must recognize him from season three. Yeah, uh, no, I don't know why he just like looked familiar. And like, maybe he looked like Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, not a lot. Because then they were because then they referenced they referenced the actor with that comment. I was like, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Maybe I just tied it all together. Not yeah, much. Maybe. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I can see why you would say that, but eh. mm-hmm. anyway, mission accomplished. They get the uh, they get the address back in New York. The snow is getting worse. They've now reached the 48 hour mark. Um, they're about to keep going with the movie when Santana contests. She's like, oh, come on. Can we do we, Can we please like watch something else? Like, why are we watching this dumbass shit? Rachel's like, oh, come on. It's like, it's a really good movie. It's done so well. Adam suggests they put it to a vote. Of course, Santana is beaten out. But she's like, okay, well, what about Brody's birth? Does he like, does he not get one? Do, do drug dealers not get votes? Rachel's like, oh my God, for the last time, he is not a drug dealer. You know what? I'm going to call him right now. I don't know what the fuck that would prove Rachel, but okay, go ahead. Uh, she calls him. He answers. He talks about how he's snowed in in Manhattan somewhere at a friend's place. Rachel's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to watch Milan Rouge. We're about to get to the best part. He's like, okay, well, got to go, but I'll call you back, which was sketch. But she's like, see, told you. But uh, Kurt's going to tell Santana that he agrees with her. Like, he, something's going on here. <laughs> so Yeah, it's really funny as this goes on and Kurt is uh, siding with Santana. I mean, what, do, I'm trying to think, like, if we had Kurt being anti-Brody, up until this point, I feel like, well, he definitely was when Brody showed up and just sat down naked uh, to eat breakfast with him the other day. Mm-hmm. So he was annoyed about that, which I still really he called him misogynist yeah. Ken. So true, which sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, again, we, we've been talking about how Brody seemed like a good guy, which I mean, I guess he was intentionally trying to seem like a good guy, given what we're seeing now uh, starting to develop. But yeah, no, I guess Kurt was slightly onto it as well, but it took Santana Lopez coming in here with her detective ways and, you know, uh, her her very keen eye for things that seem out of place to uh, to 
finally get Kurt some evidence as to Brody being shady. So yeah, Brody's on Brody's on the right side here. Not Brody. Uh, Kurt's on the right side here. Some something's not adding up. I mean, if you're you're in the middle of a snowstorm, you're saying that you're staying at a friend's house in Manhattan, and all of a sudden you have to go. Like, what are y'all doing? Right. You you can't go anywhere. <laughs> so. It's like- I don't know what year it is, but like FaceTime me. Show me where you are. Right. It's 20, 2013. Exactly. FaceTime exists. Right. Was that snowstorm? Did you, did you, was it really bad in New York? So I'm sure it was. Uh, what was it? I think it was 2014 that winter. It was a big ass snowstorm. I don't remember. I mean, yeah. Remember that? I, I definitely remember big snowstorms, but it's been a while. You know, we don't really get snow or cold anymore because the earth is kind of doing its thing. I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was 2014. I think it was the end. It was. The end of 2013 into 2014, I think, because it was my sophomore year, and it was, or maybe was it was it my junior year? I don't riveting remember, but tangent. It was, <laughs> it was a big ass snowstorm. Like it was to the point where the wind was blowing so hard that the snow that was already on the ground was getting picked up back into the air, which made it even worse. It was crazy. Like I'd never seen anything like that. And Drexel University, they will go to the ends of the earth not to cancel classes. But they canceled classes. It was crazy. It was like it was like hell froze over. Literally, it was crazy. So I don't. I can't even imagine what it must have been like within New York City that year because that shit was crazy in Philly. I don't know. I, I'm sure that it did happen. I'm sure it was uh, a rough time being snowed in. I would have loved to have rather been snowed in with Rachel Kurt and uh, Santana. But what are you gonna do? I'm not. I know, right? That is definitely a dream of mine to be snowed in with a bunch of friends and just like drive each other crazy. I've done that many times, but not these people specifically. Alrighty then, over in school, the boys are up first. They are putting together a mashup of old-time rock and roll from the movie Risky Business and Danger Zone from Top Gun, bitch. Two Tom, two Tom Cruise movies. Isn't Tom Cruise in, the, in Top Gun as well? Now we've established I don't know any of these movies. Oh, shoot, I forgot. I think he's in... I'm pretty sure he's in there. I just want to know why they're not wearing pants. Yep, he's in he's in Top Gun. Yeah. Okay, so he's the, yeah. Why are they not yep. wearing pants? It's from the classic film. That's he's like home alone and he gets drunk as fuck, wow. and then he starts listening to uh, old time rock and roll. And he, you've never seen that that uh, scene no, where sounds, he slides onto the uh, yeah. No, that, that obviously uh, sounds familiar. But just what's his face? Jordan Fisher is in a Domino's commercial. That's like I think it's someone's TV right about now, like where he does the same thing. Yeah, no, it's before his Domino's gets delivered. It's a familiar sounding scene, but yeah, then uh, this number as uh, half of them are in that outfit, half of them are in the other outfit. Um, everybody does, everybody does look, uh, I guess, the part. And uh, this is yeah. a good number. I, I enjoy this mashup. It's, um, I guess, we'll wait till we get to the other one to pick which one was better. But this one definitely was good. Oh, Jacob artist thighs, man. <laughs> that's all i'll say <laughs> oh man i don't know what's been going on with me this summer but i've been just like thirsty anyway um <laughs> uh who's next is the girl are the girls up next i think the girls are up next before the girls perform they're getting ready in the bathroom uh kitty is going to confess that for the past six months she's been Talking about Marley behind her back about how she's poor, she's fat, and she's mousy and boring, and she dresses like Zach Galifianakis, and she apologizes, and she really would like to be, you know, friends with her. And Marley, uh, they, they they hug, and then Marley, like, kind of looks a little self-conscious, and Kitty's like, what's going on? Tell me. And Marley decides to confide in her and say, Ryder kissed me. 
uh, Kitty is like, <gasps> well, is he any good? <laughs> She's like, well, he's, he was good, but I still really like Jake. But you know what? Like, Kitty's like, you know what? Marley, I won't say anything, but honestly, do you do your thing, sis. If both of them want you, then you might as well connect or collect as many of them as you can. Boys are like diamonds. Some of them turn out to be, you know, just, just rough, rough uh, clump, lumps of coal. But sometimes if you rub hard enough, you'll get a nice diamond. So collect as many as you can, girl. Which was an interesting bit of advice to give her. She also crosses her back, uh, crosses her fingers behind her back when Marley asks her not to say anything. Which I felt was like she was going to go back on her word. But she never does. I just don't understand how Marley can be so naive and so, like, this is so... Uh, it's, She's an uh, idiot. We're past the point of this being, like, you know, poorly written character and just, you know, this is her character. Her character is this person who, uh, like, I was coming down on her so much in the last episode because, you know, Ryder's do- having all these things, or Jake's doing all these things that Ryder's actually doing, and I'm like, how does she not see it? And then she comes in at the end, and she's like, I did know the entire time. I knew that it was Ryder. But then she comes back in here the very next episode, and Kitty's being the fakest obviously fake person to her and she's still sitting here like can I tell you a secret and I'm like what is wrong with you why are you so dumb like what else do you need from Kitty besides like she tried to she got you sick she gave you an eating disorder and you're trusting her with your secrets I don't know I can't like I mean I, I could sit here for another 30 minutes and just rant about this but like Marley what the hell is wrong with you how are you this dumb how are you this dumb Kitty is, like, not even having to work hard here. Like, Kitty's probably bored with this. Like, she likes to do her devious little things, but this is too easy. Like, she needs a challenge, and this is not a challenge. Like, she needs to move on to one of the other girls because Marley is giving her nothing to work with. It's just way too easy. But I do like the line about how she's like, you and I are going to be, uh, you and I are going to be step, uh, sisters-in-law, whatever, one day. Uh, we'll we'll be Jews together (laughs) in the future because we're still both dating Puckermans. They should have, like, there should be more of a friendship that's pronounced between Marley and Unique. You know what I mean? Because Unique, in the beginning of the season, had her back, and now all of a sudden she's with Kitty, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't you confide this information with, with Unique? I wish I could answer which, that. Which, if, in the, which would be great writing, because then that would really match up with a later storyline between Unique and... Well, well, I won't spoil, but, like, that... Another missed opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Like... Yep. I I don't know. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating. But at least we get a a fun number to follow up as they're all getting ready and then they're going to go sing. Diamonds are a girl's best friend mashed up with material girl. Of course, uh, one is from Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. The other is from Milan Rouge. So two Milan Rouges in this episode. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely kill it. Uh, it's led by uh, Marley and Unique once again, because Marley and Unique are the only girls that get solos nowadays in Glee Club. I'm just glad that we're, you know, past the point of uh, back in the day where Kurt wanted to perform with the girls. And just because he, you know, identifies as a man means that he wasn't allowed to do so. But now here we're still dividing them into genders to have them face off against each other. I'm just glad that nobody's, you know, giving Unique a hard time. I feel like we are past that point, but I, like would not be surprised if there was somebody who, you know, didn't let that happen. If there was like still Will was like, no, Unique or no Wade, you have to go perform with the boys. Like just glad we're not you know putting attention on that because i would not be surprised after the way that they you know treated kurt right yeah speaking of kurt adam is going to approach him um at niata 
and ask him essentially like what the deal is between him and Kurt or between him and Blaine. He's like, you, you were with him at that wedding, weren't you? And he says, yes, I was with him. Adam asks Kurt if he was his rebound. Kurt says, no, I really, really would like to be over him. I really would. I'm, I'm trying to my best to, to move on. And Adam surprisingly was like, okay. He takes him at his word and says, good. Well, how about the two of us go see a movie right now? We'll find the sappiest love movie that we can find. And then that will be ours to have. Because, I mean, you had this whole thing with Blaine from Milan Rouge. Now you can have this whole thing with me. <laughs> and Kurt's like, um, uh... <laughs> That's the best yeah, way to describe it. Yeah, he does look a little reluctant. Yeah, I mean, Kurt was hoping that this was leading to a breakup. Let's be real. Uh, or not a breakup, because they weren't together. But, like, the way that Adam came to him, and Kurt was pretty much admitting that he still has feelings for Blaine without saying as much. And Adam picked up on that. And, you know, that's where it felt like this was going, where one of them would have said, like, okay, let's just, you know, uh, separate for now and, you know, go about our own lives. And, you know, uh, you know, Adam saying to Kurt, well, I hope that things work out with you, too, or I hope that you're able to, you know, figure something out for yourself. But nope, he's like, oh, well, why don't we go make our thing? Which, like, maybe he's, like, you know, probably selfish reasons behind that if he still does like Kurt and he wants to take him out on a date. But, like, he gets that he is the rebound or he is, like, you know, not, I don't know. I don't know. Just feels like this is not what Kurt want, wanted out of this conversation. Yeah, not at all. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, pissed that we didn't get to see Adam's reaction to that because clearly it was not the reaction. Like, he asked you out on a date and you look reluctant, like, He's like, bitch, can I go back to practicing my plies right. and you can go back to your apples, your, your apples. <laughs> um, back at school, Finn is going to tell Will that he has found out where Emma is. Apparently she is staying at her sister's. Will is reluctant at first to do anything about it, but Finn is going to give him this Will Schuster in speech about following your dreams and going to get the girl and yada, yada, yada. Basically, the next scene we're going to see is the Glee Club showing up at Emma's uh, sister's with Will. It's a recreation of the scene from uh, Say Anything with Will serenading Emma with a rendition of In Your Eyes, which they sound really, really good, (laughs) to be honest. But uh, yeah, Emma's going to slowly hear the music and then come to the window and see him holding up the boombox. And at the end of the performance, Will says... Uh, she asked him, are you crazy, Will? He's like, crazy about you. Can you please come down here so that I can tell you just how crazy I am about you and how I'm never going to let you go? And then he's going to awkwardly tell the uh, Glee Club to skedaddle <laughs> after making them all come over what I'm sure was like probably a Saturday morning or some shit and then having them leave after just one minute of singing <laughs> for him to be able to have a com- private conversation with Emma here. Emma apologizes for keeping him in the dark for so long. And Will's like, you left me at the altar. Like, I had no idea what was going on. Like, I just, like, why didn't you speak to me? And she's like, well, I didn't know what to say to you. I didn't know what to say. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I feel like you, my husband or my fiance has left and I feel like I don't know him anymore. And now I don't want to get married. Like, what would I have, what would I have said to you? He said, well, I would have preferred that other, rather than you leaving me at the altar with no explanation. But the both of them are going to realize that, yeah, maybe they did take things a little bit too quickly after after not being around each other for an extended period of time, and maybe the best thing for them to do would be to take some time to get to know one another again. So um, as the theme of the episode is movies, we'll suggest them going out on a date to go see a movie sometime later Mm -hmm. um, that week. Yeah. And getting to know each other again. 
Yeah, so the number was good. Um, as you said, it was a pretty, like, they all sounded good, obviously. It was like a direct copy of the movie, um, which I hadn't seen, but I, you know, I, I get it. I get what's going on here. Um, my, uh, like, I mean, look, I have to ask these questions that come up in my brain, but like, what if she was out, like, getting groceries or like taking a trip to the bank or like not home <laughs> at the time? Because he just starts she singing be. up there. She's hiding. She's hiding. I guess, but like, what if she like they're just singing to like the wrong window? What if they're at the wrong house? Like there's all these different options that like just imagine imagine they just went through that whole effort after not knowing. Like maybe maybe Will called up uh, her sister to you know confirm that she was in there crying <laughs> to her pillow by the window. Make sure that her sister cranks open the window a little bit so she can hear it. I don't know. Would love to know the behind the scenes details of all that. But yeah, good good little performance. It was cute. Whatever. Will trying to win back his girl, which. I don't know. I mean, again, I think um, I think the girls in the you know that we had on uh, in the last episode were talking about how this felt unrealistic that Emma would have left, and it does. It really does feel unrealistic to me that she is just you know gone and she just is not communicating with him at all. Like I think she has so much anxiety built in that like she would not be able to just not answer the phone when it's ringing a hundred times a day. At least that's how I would be. Um, you know, I don't suffer from the OCD that Emma has, uh, at least not to the extent that she has it, but like as somebody who also deals with anxiety in, in one way or another, it's just, I would not be able to handle like knowing that people are trying to get in contact with me and just leaving the phone off to the side. Like I can't do that. That's just not so, like, it gives me more anxiety just to know that like people are trying to find me, but, uh, whatever. So she, I mean, it's not like she was not safe. She was at her sister's house, but yeah. Um, glad they're making up. I don't, I don't even know what else to say that, you know, you, you knew this was coming. You knew they weren't going to be broken apart forever. So they're getting to know each other from the start again. Let's go back to the start all the way back to the scientist of it all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I certainly sympathize a bit with Emma here. I mean, you, you sort of just want to run away from all of your problems, right? You know, even if it's going to make it worse in the end, you just, you can't deal with it. So you just shut down. And that's what she did here. But I mean, they, they had all, they had planned this, you know what I mean? They said, as soon as, as soon as I get back, they had a fight about him leaving and her, and her staying. They came to an agreement that they were going to be able to make it work. They were going to see each other every weekend and switch off and someone's going to drive up, someone's going to drive down. And they decided they were going to get married as soon as he returned home. And then it all went to shit. Like, and now we have to do this whole thing again of them dating. It's like y'all have been dating for three fucking years. Girl. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Maybe yep. they're just not meant to be together. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mr. Shu is the problem here. You ever think about that? Like, did, did oh, we, I thought was about this that. Ever, did we? Did we really need this marriage to really occur? Like, I think that I was invested in it the first time upon launching this, but this episode really made me think, like, maybe these two aren't good for each other. Maybe it's just a relationship of convenience at this point. I think at some point they really were in love, but now I feel like it's just a relationship of convenience because they both work at the same school. One day we'll break down all of the couples and the trajectories that all of them went on because that's the similar sentiment that a lot of people have with Finchel, a lot of people have with Clean, a lot of people have with Britanna, just all the couples that we are, you know, that we do get invested in that continue over time that some do, some don't, you know, whether or not they are our end game, they are at least, you know, going to be a story that gets followed all the way to the last possible second for each couple. So, you know, there's uh, definitely something to, to talk about maybe, you know, once we're all done with the episodes to dive 
dive into each one of the couples. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's that's why these debates happen because people are, are looking at it like everything would point you to believe at this point that this couple does not need to still be together. They either need time apart uh, or they just need to break up. But they tried to break up back in episode four and all of them seemingly, oh, not all of them, uh, some of them seemingly are, you know, working their way back towards each other, still thinking about each other at all times of the day. Emma and Will, you know, didn't get married, but obviously are trying to still reconnect. So it's, you know, a lot of people feel like they were all just forced together in every possible way, which hard to argue with, with that, especially when they present it in this way, you know, to, to get to where we are now. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm just past the point of giving a damn. Um, and eventually, when they do get married, if they get married, it's just I can't imagine myself really giving a shit. You know what I mean? Because they've really dragged this out as long as possible because they don't know what else to do with these two characters, and it shows. And it's just something that like I'm not willing to forgive because we have. I mean, we've always been biased towards the kids anyway, so it's really hard for us. It's like insurmountable the amount of work that I have to do to give a damn. <laughs> like. And I'm sorry about any uh, Will or Emma fans out there. I'm an Emma fan. I love Emma. I love Emma's character, but she was clearly given the short end of the stick this season because everything that she does revolves around him and this marriage. And we've seen it all before. We've literally seen. She's literally gotten married three to- two times. She's had three weddings on this fucking show. Three. Technically two. It's inappropriate. One of them didn't happen. Okay, Renny. All right. So Santana's gonna come home and let Rachel know. Like, look, I think I found my people, y'all. I think I found it. I know New York's been kind of a bit of a grimy place. I know that I just got groped by a guy that asked me for a dollar immediately after groping on the subway. But look, I found my people. I have found a lesbian bar. And they have asked me to bartend. <laughs> and Rachel's like, I'm so glad that you found your corner of the sky, Santana. Good for you. Um, and Santana cuts to the chase. She's like, okay, uh, wait, so where's where's Brody? Where, where, are the other, where, where are the Hardy boys? Adam and Kurt are at Niata. And Brody is in the shower. Santana says, okay, now I want to talk to you about what I found at the bottom of the garbage can in the bathroom under up, underneath a, a bunch of wadded up tissues. And unless Lady Hummel has actually been a lady all these years, it has to be yours. Rachel's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Santana says, you're really not going to tell me about the stick? Rachel is about to burst into tears. She says, you have no right. And she completely collapses Santana says it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So Santana knows. Santana has found out about the pregnancy, and here we go. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Santana does her thing once again. How many times am I going to say it? She. Uh, this is her thing. She. Uh, she's going to go through your stuff. So uh, what are you going to do? K- kick her out now if you really hate it, Rachel. But no, she's. Uh, she's going to do. You know. It's, it's obviously paying off in good ways because she's finding information out about Brody where she's leading you on to the right path with Brody. And she is, you know, she's uh, she still says this to Rachel. She's like, I am your friend. I'm here to, you know, help you, whatever it is, or at least that's implied. So, look, she's uh, she's got her methods. You're not always going to agree with them. You're not always going to like them. But at the end of the day, Santana has been there for you in many different ways over the past couple of seasons. Um so I don't I don't know what else, you know, I don't know what else there is to argue about, you know, at least her intentions. Rachel's just dealing with something pretty significant right now. And I don't know, I guess this is not the time. I guess she doesn't really love that Santana is meddling at a time that is so vital to her. But it's nice that she ends this with, you know, with the hug and saying, like, don't worry about it. Like, I, you're going to be OK. It's OK. I'm here. Don't worry. Yeah, like she clearly doesn't want to 
this isn't like Santana trying to get one over on Rachel. She's like, look, girl, like, I know that you don't want to talk to me, but I'm, like, quite frankly, I'm the only other girl in this apartment with you. We know each other. I'm your friend. Like, we might not get along all the time, but talk to me. So I liked that. I think I teared up the first time I ever saw it. Cause like, oh, my God, they're actually going to come <laughs> together and be friends, finally. <laughs> like, my 18-year-old yes. brain couldn't take it. I was like, yes, <laughs> be friends. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree everything that you just said, and I'm glad that she is trying to be, uh, be supportive here, and, I mean, it's some serious shit, because I, I knew immediately, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, fuck, this is crazy, like, she's gonna have this baby, because Rachel, there is no way in hell that Rachel is going to have an abortion, she is just not that type, she is the type to be, like, uh, completely, like, uh, pro-life, like, she just couldn't imagine doing that, we know that her religion is important to her, you like, so? I just couldn't imagine her... I think so. Okay, I just don't see Rachel doing it. As somebody that is uh, that grew up with the Jewish religion, I have no idea <laughs> their stance on uh, on abortion. I have no idea. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. I just I don't know that I see that for her. I feel like she puts herself in her career way above anything else, and I feel like if she needed to have it, I feel like she would. I don't see it. I really don't. See I really it. don't. I do not see her carrying the baby if she doesn't want to. But that's probably not the baby needs to have right now. I mean, I don't think that she would want to, but I really don't think that she would. I don't know. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. I feel like that could warrant an entire podcast. But for now, I guess we can put up a poll after this, no, no, drop this no, episode and see fine. what people no, say. It's okay. It's okay. No. no, I mean, I think it's an interesting question. I, I think it's an interesting character question. You know what I mean? Like, I, what would she do? I, I, I honestly feel like she wouldn't, but I don't know. Like, it's not impossible that she would. Anyway, back at McKinley. Jake is going to invite Marley into the uh, pottery classroom so that they can uh, caress hands and work on this, creating some kind of bowl or vase or whatever the fuck and be romantic as he sings Unchained Melody to her. He explains to her, like, look, like, he comes clean about Valentine's Day and how about uh, all of those ideas were writers and he would have told her sooner, but he was just kind of embarrassed about it. Like, the whole monogamy thing is new for him and he really tried his best to show that he's trying and that he cares and he just didn't want, you know, her to be upset with him about not being truthful about it. And so he invites her over. He knows that this is one of her favorite movies. And so he's trying to, you know, do this kind gesture. Like this one is completely his idea. And so like they do this romantic little pottery session as he sings Unchained Melody to her. And he sounds amazing. But Marley's thoughts aren't completely with him in this moment because then she starts to imagine doing the exact same thing with Ryder because she's a two-time and slut. Um, And eventually the guilt eats up at her and she has to come clean and let uh, let Ryder, or let Jake know that Ryder kissed her and she let him. And Jake doesn't even know what to say. And he's just going to leave the room. This number is such a uh, forgettable number to me. I really, like, I mean... They sound so good, which is so a shame because it is a bit of a forgettable number, but it sounds so good. Yeah. It's a bit dramatic. It's a bit. It's a bit oh, too it's much for me. Dramatic. But uh, it they sound really good. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of season four, obviously, I do care about the season four newbies a lot more than a lot of other people. Uh, you know, we were just talking about it in the last episode that not everybody ca- uh, connects with them. I even think Alex was saying the same thing when we had her on. But it's like sometimes I just don't need as much of them. Like it feels like they are really, really trying to make us care. Uh, we, we were talking about that in the last episode as well, that, you know, they were forcing us to care when the whole Ryder and Marley kiss happened. And that was just such a shock ending. And then now we have it here. It's just like this is really just not something. 
something that I care about. The, uh, you know, Ryder kissed her and then Marley, like, not that it's like poor acting or anything like that, but like the character, again, uh, uh, we need to, uh, at least I feel like I need to like stop uh, bagging on Marley. I think you do it more than I do, but like every comment I make about her, I feel like is like something like a slam. But like as uh, Jake walks away and she just does this like pouty little, Jake, don't leave. And I'm like, I get that you're sophomores, but it still feels to me like we're trying to make them like sixth graders. Like this is just ridiculous. Jake, don't leave. <laughs> it's like so, it's so childish. I'm like, I get that they're younger, but it just doesn't feel like they're this young. I think, I, you know, I wish this episode had come cl- sooner because I would have made that a sound bite and then just, like, played it whenever Marley was being <laughs> Marley. <laughs> Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is 24-7 at all times. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's pissed, as he should be. Like, he's been trying to do all this work, right? Like, and I get that, like, he's trying to, like, no one should be rewarded for being a decent human being. I understand that. But he's really trying to make an effort to show Marley that he cares about her. And then this happens. It's like, well, fuck. Like, damn. Like, he was so close to being a good guy. And now this is going to send him right back over the edge of being an ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Marley, Marley, Marley. Again, I like these characters. And no, well, I like Jake. Uh, Marley and Ryder are okay. But I would like them a lot more if they weren't a focus of so many episodes. Like, we didn't have to check in with them all the time. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Back in the Glee Club, Will has decided to be Will Schuster again. And everybody wins. The boys and the girls, they tied. Who would you have chosen, Matt? I mean, the boys won. I think the boys won, too. And it hurts my heart to say that. I always am you know, always rooting for the girls, but the boys won this one. Um, it is not just because I liked looking at Jacob's thighs. It's literally, <laughs> I just think that the, I think that the, uh, the entanglement of the songs just worked a little bit better. That number was, was much better. Girls. And, you know, it was, I mean, there is a bit of a Madonna, Madonna, Marilyn Monroe crossover there. So I sort of understand like the costume choice. But I still sort of like the distinct style between the two movies that the boys were able to bring through, whereas mm-hmm. the girls were a little bit more uh, homogenous. But whatever. Big word. That's our critique. That that's me and Matt decide. We are the you know the judges that deliberated, mm-hmm. and we name the boys winners. Exactly. But yeah. So and uh, the, the 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 kids are pissed off at first, but they're easily cheered up when Artie lets them know that he's decided to expand the amount of people that he's going to let into the movie. He needs everybody. Like the, the movie's going to be bigger than he thought. So all of them are going to be getting roles. So they're all really happy about that. Uh, Finn, or excuse me, Will is going to call Finn out to the hallway to talk to him about the fact that he's just so happy that Finn was able to convince him to go and find his fiance because now they are back on the road to recovery. The relationship is, you know, on the mend and he really has Finn to think for encouraging him and finding out where Emma was and putting together, helping him put together that number and everything. Um, and Finn is happy, but he's like, so when you guys talked, did she say anything about me? And Will said, no, why would she? And Finn says, because I kissed her. But um, drama. Did this dun, land, for, how did dun, this land for you? Did dun. you, did you feel like this was like the payoff that we wanted? This goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. I believe so. I was very uncomfortable upon watching the scene, and I think that was the point. It was, um, yeah. I think that there was no other way to really say it for Finn. I don't think that we really needed to have like this grand reveal. I think that this was 
they sort of dragged it out the entire episode and there was really nothing else to do but say it at this point. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting to me is that he waited for them to be in a good place to drop the bomb. Whereas I feel like it would have been much better and much healthier had he just said it, of course, and then helped and then allowed them to mend the relationship. You know what I mean? But like after they've already, he's already found her, he's already, you know, talked to her and, now we're going to find out, like, now he's finding out that not only did Finn lie, but Emma lied and then didn't even come clean about it when she had the perfect opportunity to do it. You know what I mean? So that was sort of a, a fucked up decision to make on his end. Yeah, it's just, again, you know, we're talking about it in the beginning that I was saying that, you know, I think the realistic thing would be to tell him as soon as possible. But, of course, we know what they were going for, this big dramatic reveal when he finally tells him. And, you know, they're trying to also line it up with the big reveal that Marley tells Jake, which is like, this is so stupid, again, with the Marley and Jake thing. It's like, this is, like, the Finn thing is Finn kissed the fiancé of his best friend, which is his teacher, yes, uh, he you know, that, that whole thing is, like, a much more serious thing to have happened, you know, with the wedding being involved, like, like real-life stuff happening there. And then they, you know, try to make it along the same lines of Marley being, like, Ryder kissed me and I let him. And I'm like, what are you doing? What is happening? Uh, why, 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 why? Um, just let Finn and Will and Emma have this, this going on without, like, the kids you know, trying to jump in there with their own version of it. It's just whatever. Um, but yeah, Finn comes to him and the two of them are crying and, you know, not crying, but you see like the tears in Finn's eyes as he's frustrated with himself because it took him this long to tell him and he's so disappointed in himself. And Will, who is, you know, crying because he feels so betrayed by not only his best friend, Finn, but also by his wife who didn't say anything to him about it. So he just went through all this trouble to get Emma back. And now, you know, he's finding out that there was a secret being held from him the entire time that ruined his wedding day could could be ruining his relationship ruins his relationship with his best friend like all of this come crashing down on him at once so i guess you know as much as i was you know ragging on it a little bit i can justify why this you know all made sense why this paid off uh for you know this scene specifically and then how things are going to play out going forward so you know not the worst uh way for them to have gone about it it's just um a lot of things just i don't know seems still seem a little weird but it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is, and it is it when it isn't. We're going to close out this episode, of course, with Footloose. Yeah, bitch. I turn it loose. Ooh, Kevin McHale on this song, honey. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just take me now. I'm yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, Awesome number. I love the choreography in this number. Love it. All the legwork, all the footwork. That's what Footloose is about. Love it. They're all dancing up on the, uh, the, the, what is it? What is that? They, the skywalk? What is that even called? I'm such a bad theater kid uh, to not know what, like, whatever the sky platform is called, where the lights all are, that they were hanging up there. Because it's, I mean, I'm not a bad theater kid. I just, we don't have that. We had, you know, the lights came down. You didn't get to walk up there yeah, what, during the what performance. What is that called? The sky, sky like catwalk? A, cat, cat the crawl? Fly. I mean, I know the, it's called the fly system. Like when you, you know, not I don't know if it's, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. People are screaming at us into their microphone. Not there's, the there's, definitely, there's definitely a technical term for it, and we just can't think of it right now. And yeah, I've and heard it in passing so many times about while being in shows and shit, and I can't even think of it. That's really embarrassing. I literally had theater classes, so I should know it, but oh well. 
<laughs> they're doing a lot of dancing on that. And then, you know, again, they have the theme. It's, it's shaking, honey. They have the themed uh, outfits for each performance this season. This one is going to be all black. Everybody's all dressed head to toe in black. And yeah, that's how we close out the number. For some reason, I had a memory. Uh, well, not for some reason, because this will happen throughout later parts of the season where they go, you know, a new directions number that also is taking place in New York. But I really thought that this was one for some reason, but it wasn't. So I, I, I found mm-hmm. it a little strange that we said goodbye to Rachel and Santana so early on. Like we had to have Jake and Marley follow them again. How many times am I going to talk about these people? Um, it's obviously really sticking uh, annoying me, but um, Rachel and Santana, that scene I feel like should have been either right at the end, right before the end, but it was like 10 minutes yeah, from the end the, of the, 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 the scenes, those scenes should have been flipped. It should have been Jake and Marley first, then Rachel Santana, mm-hmm. then back to school for the reveal. For sure. And the last, um, you know, we're just, we're just better writers. Like I you said, know. we just, we just know what the fuck it's we're doing. It's hard being so talented at this and both of us just being so frustrated that they didn't know to do the right thing. I mean, it's hard being a storyteller, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. All right. We got quite a few songs in this episode. Uh, you're all the world to me. Emma and Will. Shout. Blaine, Brittany, New Directions. Come What May, Blaine and Kurt. Old time rock and roll, mashed up with Danger Zone, New Directions boys. Diamonds are a girl's best friend, mashed up with Material Girl, New Directions girls. In Your Eyes, Will and the New Directions. Unchained Melody, Jake and Ryder. Footloose. Artie and the New Directions. My favorite song is going to be Shout. It's uh, I like a couple of them in here. Old Time Rock and Roll, Danger Zone mashup is fun. Uh, Footloose is fun at the end, but Shout is the one that stands out to me here as the one that I uh, I play back here and there, and I like to watch it back as well. So uh, it's going to be Shout. Yeah, that was the one that I listened to the most, too. I just love the... A little bit softer now, a little bit softer now, a little bit softer now. I used to get so fucking hyped. A little hyped. bit louder now, uh, a little bit louder now. Hey, hey, a little bit. Hey, 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 hey. Yes. Shout, 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 I mean, In Your Eyes is really good. Unique's backup vocals on your In Your Eyes is so good. And, like, the, the acapella arrangement of it is so good. And Ryder and Jake sound really good on Unchained Melody, too. But I don't really replay that a lot of the time. Oh, there's just so many good ones this time around that I... They're, like, kind of like sleepers. Like, you don't think about them, and then when they're on, they're like, Oh, yes, this is the shit, bitch. Uh, I gotta give it to Shout because that's the one that I that's the one that I listen to the most. So that's that's it's only fair. So I agree. Shout. Yeah, I was I was having regrets in the last one because anything could happen is the one that I listen to the most. But then I listened to it again in the car after we were done with uh, recording, and I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not as f- like I think anything could happen really stands out to me as one that I need to watch as well as listen to because the song is like kind of underwhelming, but when you put it all together in the performance, I like that. Yeah, well, the the song is slow. Anything Could Happen is a very slow song, but it's a standout for me. And I love Jacob's little solo in there, too. Mm -hmm. And, like, the harmony before the climax. Oh, yes. Yes! Anyway, uh, slushy ratings. All right. Um, 
I I feel like I complained a lot about this episode. I don't know that I was thinking about all these different complaints while we were watching it. Um, it really, you know, it has good things. It has, I like the Rachel and Santana and Kurt of it all. That gives me, um, that that's a lot of fun to me. All of everything that's happening there as Rachel and Kurt are getting adjusted to uh, life with a new roommate, which is not one that they invited nor expected. So that's all good. The mashups are good. The Will and Emma stuff, it's not the end of the world. It's not terrible. I feel like this is one of those episodes that I find very average. So that usually, to me, ends up being a two. So I'm going to give this episode two, slushy, two slushies. Yeah, this episode is... It's, it's, it's okay. The, the only thing that I remember from this episode when I think about it is the uh, boy's number. You know what I mean? I don't remember, like, what happens in this episode unless I'm watching. But it's still... It's not bad. I don't know if I'll give it two. I still like what happens. I'm glad that the Will and Emma thing gets pushed along. I mean, I was sort of invested in the Ryder and in Marley and Jake thing. I mean, when when Ryder kissed her at the end of the last episode, I was like, oh, shit, what's going to happen now? So I was invested in it. I don't necessarily know if it was handled that well. I'll be a little bit kinder than you and give it 1.5. All right. Yeah, I was I was it's thinking okay. about a 1.5, but I guess like I think I came into it with a one and a half. And then as uh, as the complaints started flying out of my mouth, I was like, all right, I'll bump it up a little bit. Yeah, it's OK. It's an OK episode. It's I. All right. It's I. Gold star. Uh, mine's obvious to me. It was a pick that I saw coming from the beginning Santana Lopez. Get back on the board here and uh, take my gold star. Just the only person in this episode that stood out to me that I was genuinely enjoying every second they were on the screen. So uh, Santana's back. She's here. She's in New York. She is uh, shaking things up with Rachel and Kurt. She's there for Rachel when she needs her. She's helping Rachel, trying to help her with the Brody thing, even though Rachel is like stubborn and refusing to you know, see it. So overall, she's my star. Yeah, I agree. That's pretty much the only logical choice here. Um, She's the star of the episode. And uh, she's, I think it's the most compelling storyline that we have going on right now. So that just already makes it miles above the rest. So yeah, baby. Santana, take your two stars, girl. Take it. Take it. Take it. Yeah. Yeah. There was like, I don't know. I, like, where else could it even have gone besides her? I was trying to think. Like, nowhere. I don't always want it to be obvious. I'm not giving it. I'm not giving it to Will. You're not going to give it to Emma. You're not going to give it to to fucking Roddy or uh, or Finn or Ryder or Jake or Marley. Like, it's not going anywhere else. Yeah. Kitty sucks in this one. Yep. No. That's it. Lock it up, yep. Santana. Lock it up. Lock that bitch up. Yeah, Santana. All right. Well. Um, I think this is an episode that's a bit on the shorter end, which is, I guess, is sort of indicative of like how we felt about the episode in general. But um, yeah, uh, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of The Choir Room. I love how I say this week's episode as if we're not recording these every day, but it just kind of mm-hmm. sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> um, make sure that you're following us at Choir Room Pod on Twitter. You can follow us individually. I'm at Amon Adwin. Matt is at Matt Lagori. You can also leave us star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcast. We will read them aloud on the show. Anything else, Matt? Yeah, we uh, we have time here. Like you said, it was a shorter one. I have some reviews that I can read through. We got two new ones. And we also have two Yay. that um, I didn't, we haven't read. Um, but there's a couple of reviews here from the uh, Naya podcast that we did that I'm sure 
Um, well, you've at least seen them in your feed. I don't know if everybody listened to it. If anybody was, you know, in the headspace, they didn't feel like it. But we had uh, we had two reviews from Luna Bell 14 and also AWJM 2006, who both had uh, very nice comments to say about that podcast in particular. So thank you for those two reviews. And then we've also gotten two new ones from uh, one from KCB525, who said, I'm so here for this. Thank you for providing light during such a hard time. I am loving rediscovering my deep love of Glee. And then also from Suba Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, who said, we're all minorities. Uh, we uh, been love been loving listening to y'all while in quarantine. Cohen Chang. I uh, can't wait to hear Matt choose his seven favorite songs each episode. On a serious note, your Naya pa- uh, episode really helped me process her passing. It would have been so much harder without listening to you guys. So thank you guys all for such positive comments uh, in the reviews, in our DMs, in the uh, you know tweet replies and all that kind of stuff. We love you guys and we love that you're listening and enjoying it and getting something out of it. So um, we are, of course, still getting something out of it as well. Otherwise, we wouldn't still be doing this. So thank you for all the nice words and uh, everybody that continues to leave us reviews. We are, uh, as of this recording, we are at... I think 43 five-star reviews. I wonder if by the time these episodes come out, we'll have hit 50. I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for the support. It really uh, is encouraging. And I'm glad that we have been, we've been getting so many messages from people telling us um, just how much this podcast has sort of like helped them not only, you know, reconnect with Glee, but just, you know, have like a little bit of a safe space during this really weird time for I'm sure a bunch of us. So it's brought me a lot of great joy. I'm glad that it's bringing a lot of you a great joy. And I can't believe that we are just barreling through so many of these episodes. I feel like we started this yesterday and we are already damn near close to the end of season four. So I'm uh, I'm excited and I'm also uh, happy for the rest of you and for me and for Matt and for everybody. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, enjoy the last Happy couple lives. of uh, episodes here before we turn into like a Big Brother slash Glee podcast. I know, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have what? We got we got a little bit less than two weeks from this recording. And so Big Brother 22, All Stars 2 gets premiered. So I'm sure a lot of our uh, content is going to start getting skewed. But that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, these these episodes, I like just based on the timeline in my head, will we'll be coming out either after the show has debuted or like right before. So uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying the Big Brother premiere. And if you're a Glee fan that has no idea anything about Big Brother, uh, follow us over there. To, uh, to We do a lot of Big Brother talk. Uh, so if you're just hearing this yeah. and you're just diving into uh, some Glee podcasts and you don't watch Big Brother, come on over. It'll, it'll be a fun summer. Come on. It'll be a really great summer. It will be. I'm Anyway, (laughs) until next time, guys, we will see you at Regional.